0: Welcome to the PerfWeb Podcast, hosted by Joe Bosch. Hello, and welcome back, everyone, to uh, PerfWeb. We're going to jump right into our second lecture, uh, which is going to be VV ECMO, predicting survival with SAVE, which is an acronym for Survival After Veno Arterial ECMO. Um, in, this is published in the European Society of Cardiology uh, in uh, 2015. And if you notice, the lead author, Matthew Schmidt, he was also involved in the VV ECMO, RESP and Preserve Scores. And I talked about that, I think, not too terribly long ago. I do want to take sort of a side trail, if we can. And we're really having a dispute here in the studio. And it's just myself. It's Magic, our producer, and then it's David, our uh, uh, editor and uh, production uh, director. And we're discussing who works harder. And Magic, Magic is our resident uh, uh, person from Poland. I guess that's okay to say. I'm not sure. And he thinks he works the hardest. Um, I for a moment thought I worked the hardest and believe me that for the past year this has been absolutely horrifying as far as I'm concerned with caseload and with uh, COVID and with ECMOs and very sick patients, very demoralizing actually, Uh, a lot of of, uh, bad outcomes. And we'll talk about that actually in this study. It's very important. And then we have, uh, as I said, David, he's just a Texan, but I've come to the conclusion that neither david nor magic nor myself works the hardest i'll tell you who works the hardest is tammy sparacino Um, she actually works the hardest she's actually the manager of het and uh let me tell you what she we have had a rough year but she has done just an incredible job uh taking over that role in the height of a pandemic uh during the worst possible time and has more than risen to the occasion so i'm going to give tammy sparasino who is also a texan not only a texan but a houstonian texan all of the credit for working the hardest of anyone i'll give myself and david the next uh hardest workers and then magic the uh person from poland that's pc right politically correct person from poland um i guess i should what pronoun do you want to use magic which do you prefer? He, she, I'm not sure. Her, him, I'm not 100% sure. Okay, VV ECMO, predicting survival with stave. This is, save. this is very important. And we are trying to hire a nurse. And you can call Magic um, at, uh, I don't know, what number do you want them to use? If you could put that up on the screen. Yeah, they find him um, anywhere. anywhere. Find him anywhere. Okay, I'll let your wife know that. Um, you can find magic anywhere, apparently. Okay, back to the slides. Veno-arterial uh, extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, also known as VA-ECMO. And I will correct something here. If you look at this, it says VA-ECMO. It looks like Veterans Association, uh, Veterans Administration, I'm sorry, ECMO. The dash, whenever you write uh, this kind of thing, and John Ingram actually taught us this, if it's V dash a it's wherever the dash is is where the oxygenator is okay so veno arterial so va really doesn't tell you anything and then dash ecmo so it would be va v dash a space ecmo would be the correct way to write this, is an effective technique to support refractory cardiogenic shock while ensuring continuous organ perfusion to wait for cardiac function recovery, transplantation, or durable VAD. So basically, or total artificial heart. So basically VA ECMO and VV ECMO is similar in the regards to, it is a bridge it is either a bridge to recovery, it is a bridge to a transplant, it's a bridge to a durable ventricular assist device or artificial heart or lung, you know, as I said, transplant, lung transplant in the case of, of lungs, there is no long-term device that they have for that, or it is a bridge to decision, and sometimes that decision is to um, to stop uh, the therapy, when the patient has no exit strategy, they're not a candidate for transplantation. They're not a candidate for a durable VAT or total artificial heart. Their lungs aren't going to recover. Um, and uh, the uh, ECMO, in that case, VV, but it could also be VA, uh, can keep that patient not only their organs alive, but neurologically intact and uh it's uh it's very uh very uh, uh scary and and it's very emotionally taxing uh to be dealing with these patients There are several articles out there and i know people who have actually had awake patients who themselves decided since there was no exit for them and their life was limited to being tethered to this machine external device uh, whether it be VA or VV ECMO, and they have been the decision maker to go ahead and let's turn this off now, knowing full well that that, that was going to be the end of their life. It's, uh, it's uh, very, very difficult, um, but it's a reality. Uh, we've become so incredibly good at m- keeping the overall organism alive, dealing with all of their other things, whether it be pulmonary and oxygenation or circulation and keeping their kidneys uh, going. We can even add CRRT if they start going into renal failure. It doesn't matter. We have another machine for that. Uh, Our technology has, in many ways, exceeded the body's ability to heal, and so uh, it's, uh, it's, it's been a trying time. COVID has really been, a. as I said, I've said it before, I sometimes say it a little tongue-in-cheek, kind of, uh, you know, what was that called, graveyard hum- humor or something like that. I forgot there's a term for that. I don't remember. That's not it, but it's similar um, because that's our defense mechanism. Uh, it's been very difficult uh, uh, year for us with COVID. Our out compared to even H1N1. Our outcomes have been much, much less rewarding. So I'm very, uh, 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 it's a very interesting thing, and I'm going to be very interested to see what the long-term uh, results of all of this are on a uh, on a more international scale. Uh, most frequent indications for veno-arterial ECMO or full cardiopulmonary circulatory support mechanical circulatory support it comes it comes with a whole different a whole uh, cornucopia of flavors or acronyms or whatever you want to call it uh include fulminant myocarditis acute myocardial infarction, post heart transplantation and post uh uh cardiotomy and if you'll excuse me when they say postcardiotomy that really means failure to wean um, uh, off of cardiopulmonary bypass after having heart surgery. And uh, forgive me, I'm sorry, I just needed to answer that text real fast. So when you do a coronary or you do a valve valve coronary, whatever the case may be, and you can't wean from bypass, sometimes you'll have right heart dysfunction. Um, in fact, I just saw that today. I was down at the medical center and watching somebody do a case. And they had transitioned from cardiopulmonary bypass to VA ECMO. Uh, for right heart dysfunction, which that will be a bridge to recovery. Two, three days, that right heart should come back. But it does happen. Despite significant advances in VA ECMO, and that's what we're talking about here, there is a high complication rate. Bleeding, absolutely number one. Infection is always a big problem. And device failure and complications of the device itself. Which could be a variety of different things. That's not very common, however, for the oxygenator to fail. Um, now, you could be using, uh, for example, there are two different kinds of ECMOs, right? There's polypropylene uh, membranes or, or, or microporous hollow fiber designs, there's uh, PMP or polymethylpentene, which tends to last longer, that doesn't react with lipids. If you have somebody on VA ECMO and you are giving them propofol or they're severely hyperlipidemic, um, you can have uh, membrane wetting, which it's called, and then it starts foaming and you can't uh, blow off your CO2 and you have to change it. Patient's very unstable. They don't tolerate the change. That would be considered a device failure. But it's really, you know, that's more of a uh, 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 perhaps uh, uh, what you had at the time to do what you had to do or a clinical decision that was based on what was believed to be the best practice and it, and it, and it still failed. That can happen. Uh, you can have, uh, it's more likely somebody is going to inadvertently break a connector off. You try to build these systems and design them to minimize that risk, but that can happen. Um, you can have the uh, centrifugal pumps Uh, get very hot, and you could have a bearing failure or something like that, Uh, certainly that can happen. But again, bleeding and infection, the top two by far. Device failure and complications directly associated to the device are are really very low. Long-term physical and psychological impairment is huge and really not considered by the initial clinicians that are managing these patients, especially the ones making the decision to put these patients on. Uh, There was a study by uh, 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 an Italian physician and colleagues that long-term functional and psychological recovery in a population of both ARDS patients treated with VV ECMO and VA ECMO and their caregivers, caregivers, At almost a three-year follow-up, ARD survivors treated with VV ECMO showed reduced health-related quality of life and high risk of psychological impairment, in particular PTSD. Caregivers of this population were also at high psychological risk. And I think that is very much not taken into consideration. Patients put on ECMO tend to be there for quite a long time. And uh, it is a, a, a very, it's, of course, it's so rewarding when somebody does, in fact, transition off of ECMO Bridge to Recovery or they go get that transplant. But uh, if they're not eligible for transplant and they aren't going to recover, um, it can be a, a, a long affair. And uh, you can, uh, I think that the clinicians that are managing these patients including myself, have been uh, significantly affected by uh, the amount of, uh, or the, 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 the lack of positive outcomes, I'll put it that way, that we have seen uh, during this pandemic. It's been very uh, demoralizing, to be quite frank with you. Um, in another article in Intensive Care and Critical Care Nursing, the psychological and health related quality of life related aftermaths of extracorporeal membrane oxygenation treatment uh, for uh, patients with VA ECMO also showed very similar deep seated uh, psychological impairment, uh, PTSD like issues with these patients and caregivers. So, the aim of uh, the study, the Safe. Uh, study is to identify pre-ECMO factors that predict survival. So using a large international cohort of 3,800-plus patients treated with ECMO for cardiogenic shock. Now, remember, we're talking VA ECMO with the SAVE score, okay? They identified prognostic factors for hospital survival and created what they termed as a well-calibrated and discriminatory survival prediction score compromising 13 pre ECMO variables. The survival after veno arterial ECMO, or the SAVE score, and that's what this is about. It is the first validated international predictive mortality model based on a large population of acute refractory cardiogenic shock patients requiring ECMO. Based on these findings, the SAVE score and its online calculator, which we'll go over, you can find it at www.save-score.com. Offer a validated tool to predict survival for patients receiving ECMO for refractory cardiogenic shock. Now, that, that's a real strong statement, and this was written, of course, by the authors. I, I didn't read it quoting it, but I paraphrased it to some degree. It's still very bold. Um, we're going to go over it and talk about it and look at it and take it into consideration. Um, and uh, discuss its validity as a tool. So, the rationale development of a prediction score for VA ECMO survival this includes decision, management, and then comparison. The methods uh, and results between January 2003 and December 2013, they ex- uh, extracted data from the ELSO registry, which, as you know, is a multi center international database. Or registry, they selected 3,800 uh, plus total patients with cardiogenic shock treated with ECMO. Um, 1,601 of those patients or 42% were alive at discharge. And actually, this is where the 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 consult, uh, the informed consent, if you will, comes from. Is this actual information from Elso when you are Quoting to a family what their chances of survival are with VA ECMO, uh, they usually say it's about 40%. VV ECMO, it's about 60%. And this is where these numbers come from. But just because the overall is 42% doesn't mean this individual patient has a 42% chance of survival. Again, you really have to look with VA ECMO, you really have to look at the patient that you're in front of at the moment. Independent risk factors for mortality, uh, 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 chronic renal failure obviously is a big one. Longer duration of vent prior to ECMO. I'm not sure why that plays that big of a role in VA ECMO versus VV ECMO, but it uh, is on there. Multi organ failure obviously that's obvious. Pre ECMO cardiac arrest, well, you know. I mean, those are the those are the stories that we all love, you know. I mean, we see them, we've seen have seen them on YouTube, where the guy was at home, or he was at work, or he was at the grocery store, and ah, grabs his chest and goes down, and some, you know, some uh, 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 some person, you know, comes to the rescue and starts doing CPR because they learned how to do it, which is great, and they get transported to the hospital, and they had acute occlusion of the LAD, and they got that corrected, and the next thing you know. Well, they put him on VA ECMO, and then they took him from the emergency room. Then they took him to the cath lab. Then they took him to the operating room. Then he came out, and he got his life back. Those are the saves. Those are the great cases. So, But, yeah, pre-ECMO cardiac arrest. But a lot of times, these people are going on VA ECMO because of pre-ECMO cardiac arrest. Congenital uh, disease is obviously a big problem. Lower pulse pressure uh, and lower bicarb levels. Um, are all independent risk factors of mortality And I would say lower pulse pressure, you know unless they''re, they're PEA of course, um, they're they're going to have nothing but uh, if they're lower HCO3, that could be the duration of the code that could be a lack of, uh, of of sufficient bicarb for to correct how the code was run there could be a lot of factors involved. But I'm assuming that all of this really means, the longer you go to make your decision, the worse off you're going to be, because that's, uh, you know, not having circulatory support for a long time and just doing CPR for a long time is not really good for you. Uh, But I've seen some patients who have been, who have had CPR for over an hour, I've seen two hours, and have been finally put on VA ECMO, and and I've seen patients survive it when I never thought they even had a chance to, but they did. So uh, you, you just don't know. You have to, again, you have to take into consideration the patient that you're dealing with. If it's an 83-year-old or 76-year-old frail person uh, with a uh, relatively unhealthy lifestyle and they have diabetes and they have some renal insufficiency, notwithstanding chronic renal failure, but they have actually just renal insufficiency, renal disease, um, somewhat of a vascular path. And you have a 52 year old who maybe he is a little bit overweight, but he doesn't have all these other issues going on. Well, you know, likelihood is the 52 year old's probably got the better chance than the 73 year old. But I've seen it where the 73 year old made it and the 50 year old didn't. So again, you just really don't know. Factors favoring survival younger age. Lower weight, acute myocarditis, heart transplant, refractory VTVF. So if you have if you have PEA, that's bad. If you have VTVF, you're much better off, much higher chance of survival. Higher diastolic pressure, but of course, is that was that with with drugs, without drugs, what drugs, um, and so forth, balloon pump? Is that with how is that being measured? I'm not really sure and lower peak inspiratory pressure. The external validation to the, to this comes from the, Elso comes from the Australian population, that's where this study was done. 161 patients between July 1st of 2006 to December 31st of 2013, and it was at the Alfred Hospital in Melbourne, Australia. You remember the RESP score also comes from there. Preserve came from, or the, the validation to Resp and Preserve, I believe, was something different. So Resp and Preserve, uh, Preserve was in France. Resp was in Australia and I, or, or, or Elso, but the validation was in France. I don't remember exactly, but uh, a lot goes on at the Alfred Hospital in Melbourne, Australia. This much I'll tell you. They publish a lot of stuff. So here on the left, you see the derivation cohort, And then on the right, you see the validation cohort. So the one on the left is basically from the ELSO database. The one on the right is from the Alfred Hospital in Melbourne. And uh, you see the N3846, 42% alive, and 58% did not survive. In the validation cohort, 67% were alive, and only 33% were uh, dead based on the SAVE, what developed the SAVE score and based on the SAVE score. So we need to really explore this because that, from 67% to 42%, is huge. And that's, a, that's an incredible difference. So we need to see what did they do to have such better outcomes. Um, the, uh, unless, uh, okay, so I don't need to mention that. And this is from the European, by the way, Society of Cardiology, that same, that same journal. Uh, what did I do? Oh, there. Okay. Okay, so hospital survival rate in the most prevalent diagnostic groups, acute MI, valvular heart disease, other causes of cardiogenic shock and sepsis, and the diagnostic groups independently related to survival. Myocarditis, heart and lung transplant, refractory VFVT, cardiac arrest prior to extralpormium membrane, and congenital heart disease. According to the survival after VA ECMO um, risk category at, at extralpormium membrane oxygenation initiation. So this is the score prior to the decision to put the patient on ECMO. So equal to or less than 10 is risk category 5. If you're minus 9.5 to minus, I'm sorry, minus 9 to minus 5, you're risk category 4. Minus 4 to 0, you're risk category 3. 1 to 5 on the positive scale, you're risk category 2. And greater than 5, you are risk category 1. So the so if we look here, here are the parameters and here are the scores. So let's just go ahead and do this. Let's say the patient has, uh, we're going to give, so myocarditis is the best because you can see the score is three, but I'm going to give this patient refractory VT, VF, so I'm going to give them a two. Uh, their age, we're going to make this patient 62 years old. So let's do that. So we're going to give them a 3. So we're up to 5. Weight, we're going to say the patient is greater than 90 kilograms because that's more common. So that's going to be plus 0. So we're still at 5. Okay, so I'll carry my 5 over. Acute pre-ECMO organ failures, uh, select one or more if required. So we're going to say the patient does have renal failure. They're enduric. We just say they're either in acute renal failure or uh, 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 they're they're in acute uh, kidney injury, AKI. So we're going to give them a minus three. So now we're at a two. Duration of intubation prior to initiation of ECMO, we're going to say it was less than uh, 10 hours. So we're going to give them a zero. So I did that, I did this, so zero, so we're still at two. Uh, Pre-ECMO cardiac arrest, minus two, we're at zero. Diastolic blood pressure before ECMO greater than 40, or pulse pressure before ECMO. So we're going to say, ah, let's say the bicarb value was less than 15 so we're going to say minus three so now we're at minus three okay and the total score can be negative 35 to Wait, constant value to add to all calculations of scave scores a minus six so that's going to be now minus nine so minus three plus minus six equals minus nine. So we'll go to the next slide. So we're at minus nine based on what I've added into this. So that is going to be a save score of four, which is pretty doggone high. Okay. Or, you know, that's that's a lot for that, because that's not an unusual patient. So let's go over here and look at survival. So if they are gonna be in class, I have to go back here, forgive me. So minus nine is gonna be class four, okay? So they are a class four. So I'll put class four for our patient, class four. And that is going to be right here. And in the predicted survival, they're going to be right at 30%. And you can see it right there. With the SAVE score, however, same class 4, they are going to have a survival of 62%. That is a dramatic difference. Hospital survival percentage in derivation cohort according to the survival after VA ECMO or the SAVE score at extra oxygenation initiation for severe cardiogenic shock. Hospital survival percentage in the validation cohort according to the survival or the save score. Survival percentage is expressed as the mean plus or minus the standard deviation number of patients in the study at particular survival after VA ECMO. Point being, the derivation cohort would say a 30% survival, and in the Alfred hospital's hands, they had a survival of 62%. That is a major, major difference, and that can be a variety of reasons. One of those reasons, and I think probably the most, the highest contributor to this is because in the large multicenter international study, you are not going to have the same Way of managing these patients across all of these particular uh, uh, populations. Some are going to use different cannulation strategies. Some are going to use different hemoglobin strategies. Some are going to use different uh, uh, oxygen content or PO2 strategies. Some are going to use different ventilatory strategies. Some are going to use different types of membranes. Some are going to use just some are going to treat with CRRT. Some are not going to treat with CRRT. Some are going to integrate CRT into the dialysis into the uh, ECMO circuit. Some are going to try to do it with a introducing another catheter, uh, anticoagulation strategy. Some are going to do high anticoagulation, low anticoagulation, no anticoagulation, angiomax, heparin, um, plavix and aspirin, uh, you name it. So there's so many factors involved, but it is important, very important for me to, at least say that the difference in predicted survival based on the ELSO criteria and the predicted survival via the SAVE score is remarkably different. So here you have um, hospital survival in the most prevalent diagnostic groups here you have the uh, SAVE-Score 1, you have a survival with myocarditis of 76%, heart uh, and lung transplant 76% going down the list, valvular heart disease, cardiac arrest, you can see that there. And if you're class 4, you have, uh, for these things, you have a survival of this, Okay. Here is the online calculator. Um, let's see. Can I can I make that work? How do I make that work? No, it's just it. You can't just tap it and make it work. I didn't make it a link. No. Okay. So let me just go to a. Uh, let me go here. Save. Score. Uh, ECMO, there we go There it is Cool, okay, so we're gonna go age 53 to 62 Sorry, okay myocarditis. No refractory VFVT uh, No on transplant no on congenital other diagnosis. Everybody has another diagnosis 52 to 63 years old, weight is greater than 90 kilograms. And you see over here how it's moving. You see the red bar, I don't know if you can see it. Uh, Your pulse pressure is equal to or less than 20, I'll say yes. Pre-ECMO cardiac arrest, yes. Peak inspiratory pressure, uh, no. Intubation, less than 10 hours, less than or equal to. Acute renal failure, yes. And bicarb, less than 15. But look at that. And I'm doing the same thing, but I'm getting a different number. Maybe my math was messed up. Other organ failures, but it showed it on, the, on their own publication. Um, other organ failures, pre-ECMO, central nervous system dysfunction, no. Liver failure, uh, we'll say yeah. So you have all these problems. You have a survival of somewhere between, according to SAVE, 15%, well, it can range anywhere from 0 to 35% with a mean of somewhere around 15%. If I take this bicarb problem away, and let's say they didn't have that as an issue, you get a little bit better. I'm going to take the renal failure away, uh, which is here. I didn't put, uh, yeah, right here. There you go. Take that away. You're getting a little bit better. Now you're up about 25%. We'll take the liver failure away. You're up to about 32%. We'll say that you, uh, your pre, pre, your pulse pressure pre-ECMO was greater than 20%, so you're up to almost 48%. I'm going to make you a little bit younger, and you go up uh, even higher. And uh, we're going to take away this and say it was myocarditis, and it's even a little bit higher still. So you see you can play with this save score. So your save score in this case is minus 1. And so the lower that number, or the more minus that number, the worse your outcomes are going to be. Okay? Discussion points. Very large discrepancy of outcomes with the derivation versus the validation cohorts. And I just talked about why I think that is. Major technological uh, changes have occurred and technique changes since 2003, even through 2013. We do more LV venting with the Impella now, which I think reduces LV wall tension and helps preserve that heart, uh, helps it recover quite a bit. And we uh, have managed this, uh, the coagulopathies and the bleeding complications. And actually, it's just bleeding complications from anticoagulation. I don't think it's coagulopathy. It's just bleeding. The coagulopathy comes from the transfusions we have to do because we keep bleeding out their their, their clotting factors and their hemoglobin, of course. So low to no anticoagulation strategies, I think, have helped a great deal in this regard. Um, I think there are a lack of controlled protocols. Um, I say this a lot, and I mean it, just because you can, should, there's a big difference between whether that whether you can and you should or you should not. And that's very important. I really think when you look at long-term survivals, um, getting people off of VA ECMO and weaning them from it is not survival. It's survival from ECMO, but survival to me, means you walk out of the hospital and you have a, an acceptable to you, whatever that's, whatever acceptability is to you, that's, I understand, very subjective, um, uh, health related quality of life. Um, you have to just take that into consideration and understand this patient and what would this patient want, uh, because the road to uh, recovery sometimes is, 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 it's very short and you do great you just do wonderful you just get treated you have all of this thrown at you the kitchen sink and you walk out of the hospital and everybody is just amazed and so happy for you and your family i think everybody deserves a shot um but you really have to look at what this patient's overall health condition is and what their recovery is before you embark on a protracted ECMO course, because even if you get that patient weaned, what is going to be their health-related quality of life after this is all said and done? And that burden usually falls on the families to have to make that decision, and it's very difficult for them to do. And just because the score says this doesn't mean that you actually take that sc- You have to take all of this with some level of skepticism and say, I know the score says they're a plus one, but that's I'm looking at this patient, that's not plus one. Or it's minus seven, but that's not a minus seven. They look better than that. The individual, the decision to accelerate care to what is now known as the highest you can get short of transplant and, 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 mecha- and permanent uh, VAD or durable VAD, mechanical, uh, total artificial heart. We are just, ECMO is just short of that. It is just literally underneath it. Um, and we have become very technologically advanced and really good at what we do. And we can do a lot with machines, but we have to think, we have to really take into consideration whether or not we should be doing it in this case or not. That's the end of my slideshow. We could, uh, if you'd like, open the phone lines again. I think they're open. Do we have any questions on the uh, the the YouTube or or LinkedIn or any of that kind of stuff that I can answer? And if not, I can spin the wheel. Um, where's Magic? Oh, he's looking for a nurse again. Okay. Well, let's 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 spin the wheel, and if there's a good question. Um, or somebody wants to call in, you'll win whatever I call it. I want to go over that again. That was really important. A couple of things I want to talk about uh, again before I forget. And that is Alan Klima. I don't know Alan. I talked to him on the phone one time. Donated all this stuff, okay? It was so it was incredibly kind of him. It's ALW Klima. Um, and can, can you do me a favor? Can yeah. you just can you share my phone? I just want people to see this. This I may as well do it this way. Joe's iMac. There. Let me put this up. I think this is really important. OK, there it is. OK, so if you look right, right here, I don't know how to make it just that. But Alan Klima. Can you highlight it with, your, with, your, uh, with the mouse or anything? Yeah, right there, alwclima at gmail.com. And they are some really, thanks, man, and they are some really cool things. There's the hat, there's the surgical caps, they are different colors, camo, red, green, blue, black, T-shirts, which I showed you earlier, I think these are great. Um, Somebody wants to call in, they could win. And Let's see what they're going to win if they do. If not, I'm going to win it. You know what, I'm going to win it myself. But if we had Magic here, because he's out looking for a nurse, he could tell me if there's any good questions, because I simply don't know. I don't have any access to anything up here today. Spin. Do we have sound? We don't have sound. There you go. I'm going to do it again now. Doesn't count. I don't care. T-shirt. I don't care. I'm spinning it again. Spin it again. Okay, this is for real now. The Tammy Sparacino Journal Club Casino Wheel and somebody is going to win one of these fabulous PerfWeb cups coming your way. Okay, cool. Let's see. Yeah, it's kind of bright. Can you see it? Yeah, yeah PerfWeb. PerfWeb, nice red inside, white on the outside, red handle. These are really pretty cool cups. Okay. Um, I, you know, I don't know what else to say other than if, the, if I knew we had somebody who was, uh, had a question or anything, it would help. Do you want to look over there and see? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, you know, it is what it is. Not going to worry about it. Um, if somebody has a question, they can email me. You can email me. You can uh, remember John Ingram does his knowledge nuggets. I think. Uh, let me go over. Let me look at what our next program is, because our next program is definitely going to be good. We finally got people. I told you we got people hired and they're catching on really fast because we only hire the best because we're the best group. Uh, There's no question about it. If you want to work in Houston and you want to be a place where you can really practice your trade and work with absolutely the finest people I've ever worked with. And I've been doing this a very long time. um, You know, give us a call. We're still looking for one person more on the south side of Houston, but we are still looking for one person. So if you have an interest, just please reach out to us. You can either contact me at, I think it's, uh, go to our website, het.us, and if you go right there, if thanks man, if you go to that website, um, you can actually email me directly through that website, or you can call, contact me at info at MediWeb or contact at Perfusion Education, whatever you want. And uh, let me know because we are definitely hiring. And I got to tell you this story. Can I don't know if you don't, but if you have time for just a story, just for a second. Yesterday, I was walking through the uh, the lobby of a hospital. I think I can say what hospital it was. No, I better not. Maybe I shouldn't. So no, I won't. So, um, I, but I was walking through the the lobby of a hospital. And I heard somebody call my name. And I looked, and I didn't recognize this person, but they came up to me, and they're a perfusionist, a colleague, okay, from Plano, Texas, which is about four and a half hours north of where we're located now, and uh, and they knew me, they recognized me, um, and I was wearing a mask, but they heard my voice. They recognized me from these programs. I couldn't believe it. And anyway, her sister was in the hospital in that hospital having surgery, nothing related to do with the heart. And uh, so, you know, we talked for the longest time, and uh, she told me that she had an incredibly uh, incredible experience there at that hospital, which I was very happy with, and it is an excellent hospital. I will tell you that we have uh, uh, several of them here in the the area, which are just outstanding and exceptional. Uh, but that one in particular hospital, they they really really seem to be hitting Grand Slam home runs almost every, every week. Um, and with that said, uh, uh, she recognized me from the prior. I thought that was so incredible. So, you know, my, uh, my childhood dream of being a, 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 a movie star is coming true. I'm now a YouTube star, apparently. So I was so incredibly happy with that uh, and glad that people are watching uh, and that the programs are, uh, are well-valued and uh, and appreciate it, and hopefully uh, we all learn something. I know I learn a lot by doing this. I learn probably more than anybody else does listening to me, to be frank with you. But anyway, uh, uh, Thursday, July 17th, June 17th. I'm sorry, is that right? June 17th? That's Is that right? Oh, that's today. Oh, okay. So Wednesday, July 7th, uh, we're going to be coming to you live from Vanderbilt. Now Vanderbilt has a studio, a it's the Vander, it's the Mediweb studio at Vanderbilt and we do every month, it's the first Monday, predictably of every month from 6:45 until 8 o'clock, the Vanderbilt University Medical Center Department of CV Surgery Faculty Forum. It's going to be on understanding Alpha, STAT and PH STAT, because I'm really interested. I I need to really pay attention and learn this, because I know it exists, but I don't completely understand it. Um, I've always had a hard time with that. Uh, But actually, Tammy Sparacino and I are going, I believe, if things go well, fly to Nashville, along with Mintran. He's going to join us. And we're going to do the Journal Club from there. So we're going to do everything live from Vanderbilt. Uh, along with those guys. I'm really looking forward to it, but I have to compliment uh, Matt Warhoover, uh, 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 Tony Lepore, uh, uh, and he goes by Joey, right? His name is Anthony, but he goes by Joey. Joey Lepore and Dr. Jordan Hoffman, those guys have been so incredibly supportive of this program, and their Vanderbilt forums have been uh, very well received with great uh, viewership. So I'm very happy about that, but we're going to come live from Vanderbilt. So we're going to do that. Uh, Tammy is going to do her journal club on, comment, on uh, the commentary, taking the next step in cardiopulmonary bypass management. I think that's going to be very instructive, very interesting. And then John Ingram is going to be talking about how, his knowledge nuggets and how does protamine really neutralize heparin. I think that's going to be very exciting. And uh, it was very interesting because we had uh, a, uh, a call, a concern, here in Houston. Not to, I don't know if anybody else uh, had this issue, but we had a shortage of protamine. So we were having to do our cases um, with angiomax until that protamine shortage. And it was a national shortage, so I'm assuming other people had that problem. Um, some hospitals, for some reason, had a higher supply. So we really never had that issue. Uh, but a couple of hospitals had to uh, convert to Angiomax because their supplier wasn't able to get it uh, because there was this national shortage. Hey, Magic, do we have any questions or comments on the web? No questions? Okay. So I'm winning my own cup and I'm winning my own surgical cap because I have one now that's blue, but I'd like a black one. And uh, with that said, I'm going to bid everyone adieu a little early. Uh, but we'll make up for it next week. Uh, the program today was approved for 2.4 Category 1 CEU by the ABCP. And the program next week is going to be 3.4 Category 1 CEU. On, yeah, I'm sorry, on July 7th. Forgive me, on Wednesday, July 7th. And, uh, you know, just so you realize, and I think I've said this before, all of our programs are free. You can watch this program. You can learn from this program. You can participate in this program. Every You can join perfusioneducation.com. All of that is free. Uh, But you only pay if you need the CEU certificate, which you can do through perfusioneducation.com. It's very uh, affordable. I think it's roughly $15 a CEU. So in terms of affordability, it's there. And we constantly are adding more content. So you have more than enough content to get all your CEUs. Now, with that said, I don't think... This, even though I think this online format is fantastic, I think that it uh, brings real value. I think it was serendipity that we were up and running during COVID and that we were able to provide this. I think that that just, again, by happenstance, we just happen to be in the right place at the right time to start this program. We want this program to continue to evolve. Uh, but it can't replace live programs. I, I will tell everyone that I think that whether it be in New Orleans or whether it be in Houston um, or whether it be in Nashville or whether it be in New York, or whether it be in San Diego, um, wherever it is, you, uh, Vancouver, you know, Chicago, pick the place. Um, I think that live programs add a, a value that you can't get in this online world, and that is the uh, face-to-face collaboration and networking that you can get. So I think that we have to constantly evolve too. We are looking at moving our studio to another location, which is going to add. We can't do everything we want to do here in this studio, though I think this studio has really uh, done an incredible, the people, of course it's the people, but technology and the people, uh, but there's only so much they can do with the space that we have. And uh, in order to continue to make this experience something that you want to be a part of, want to uh, uh, be interesting for you, and also be, uh, you know, to some degree entertaining, we need to continue to advance technologically. Uh, so we are looking at a new studio, which is going to have some uh, real advancements to it. Uh, we are trying to hire a nurse, so if you are a nurse and you're watching this and you have an interest uh, in education, please reach out to us at info at would be the best way to do that. you're a profusionist looking for a job, you can look at, uh, especially down in the south of Houston um, is where we're looking. You can reach out to us at het.us. And by all means, please go to the App Store. Uh, or on Apple, or go to the Google Play Store on your Android device and look at the MediWeb app. It is a fantastic tool uh, that I use every day on my cases, and I use it while I'm watching ECMO, and I've shown it to nurses, the the both the big app and the little app, which is the uh, IV drug dosage calculator, and they have really uh, uh, seen the value in it and enjoyed it. And It's like I said, it's $0.99 cents for the small app. It's $2.99 for the larger app, which has the small app in it already. Um, and I think it's a fantastic tool, and I would appreciate very much you looking at it, buying it. Uh, please leave a, uh, uh, an evaluation of it. What's that called, Magic? A rating. A rating. Yeah, please rate it. It would be very helpful to us if you would do that and share it with your friends and colleagues so that they can have it, too. So with that said, I'm going to bid you adieu. I want to thank you again for your time allowing me to uh, give you these two lectures today. And uh, I'll look forward to seeing you from, well, I'm in Nashville uh, on uh, Wednesday, July 7th at 6.45 a.m. Take care. Thank you.